Okay, great. My name's Heidi. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. Am I being timed? Yes. When do I, when do I, when do I stop? You stop at 9.15. Oh, great. And then you Okay, great. All right. Thanks. Well, um, thanks for having me, everybody. Matusa and John Kay, wherever you are. Thank you. Uh, and thanks everybody for being here, right? For participating in your recovery so that I can participate in my recovery. Uh, you know, the first word of the first step is we. You know? So I, I need you all. I really, really need you all. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll qualify or get some numbers out of the way. Sometimes that's customary to begin with. Uh, I came to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting in San Diego in either August or September of 1993. There was a place called the Oasis. I don't know if anybody was around during this. Yeah, those days. It was actually like a, it was, it was a location that only had OA meetings, like kind of morning, noon, and night. Um, I, I didn't get accident right away. I mean, that's fine. That's much of our paths, but I, I didn't leave. So I started my journey of recovery then. Uh, about a year later, I moved to Los Angeles. So that puts me at, you know, fall of 94. And I'm still going to OA meetings. Um, I'm still, you know, kind of trying to do this thing. And early 95, I am... Um, you know, it's like a belly full of food and a head full of OA, you know, um, or it's just misery. It's really misery. You know, as they say, this really messes up your eating to come here, you know. Um, or as a former sponsor of mine said, you know, it's like the mafia. You know too much, right? Yeah, you know too much. So, um, in, and, I, and I guess people have sponsored me and I've been servicing on a meeting. So, I mean, you know, I was, I was on the path. I was on the path. Um, abstinence was kind of elusive in those early months and year or so. Um, I think partly because, you know, I wasn't really working steps and I didn't actually want to stop eating the things I wanted to eat. And, you know, I wanted to eat things I wanted to eat and I wanted to be thin. You know, it doesn't really work that way. So um, I asked a woman to sponsor me. And I had done that before. I mean, so it wasn't the first time I'd asked someone to sponsor me. But I think this time I meant it. I was kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it was a little bit like, well, either just leave OA or get rolling, you know. And um, so that's what I did. I asked someone to sponsor me. She had like four years sober and three years abstinent or something like that, which to me was like a lifetime. I couldn't believe that was even possible. And that was in February of 95. So my abstinence birthday is February 28, 1995. So I've been abstaining, I think that's 24 years and change. Which um, someone in this room said, you know, you're an old timer. I was like, oh, okay. an old timer. Ah. Um, so that's a lot of like one day at a time. So that's all that is. It's just a lot of one day at a time. Um, I've now been in OA more than half my life. I'm 46 uh, years old, years young. And um, for the listening audience, because I know you can't see me, uh, and I live in a rural community, so I rely upon this as a resource for recovery. Um, I'm an aspirational 5'4", 5'3", and uh, last time I weighed myself, I don't weigh myself terribly often, um, maybe, I don't know, it's maybe a month or so ago, I, was, I weighed um, about 120. So I think based on our definition of, what is it, 
working towards and maintaining a healthy body weight. I think that's for me for today, you know. Although I'm still messed up. I don't know what's been or this or that. But I don't have any healthcare professionals telling me that I need to do anything differently, so that's good. Um, so I guess that's a qualification. Um, what it was like was, you know, fairly miserable, um, as it is for many of us. I, <clears throat> I mean, I was compulsively overeating as a child. I mean, I simply was. And I didn't have any language to say, I'm compulsively overeating, or I'm eating over my feelings. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that. I couldn't conceive of that as a, you know, seven-year-old or eight-year-old. I just knew I wanted more, right? I knew I wanted more, and you seem to, well, not you, but uh, other people seem to be able to stop, right? Or, like, their off switch worked, or they would say things like, um, oh, no, thank you, I'm full, you know, or whatever. And this, none of this, like, I don't know, this didn't make any sense to me, you know? Um, and even as a little person, you know, I mean, it's like, wait. And I remember being, you know, I don't know, nine, ten years old, and I'd be at a friend's house, and we'd be playing or whatever, and typically the mom, let's be honest, it's like the 70s, whatever, would say, you girls want a snack? And the my little friend would say, no! And I would be like, wait, what? Like, really, like, we've missed a snack opportunity? Like, this, is, this can't be, this can't be right. Um, and I, my home life was really messed up and that's not uncommon for lots of people both in and out of these rooms um, but I was a little person who was you know was afraid was nervous was um, not living in an ideal loving intact situation now I don't think any of that makes me a compulsive overeater okay now that I can't hang my hat on that because there's many people who come from really loving and intact families and they're still addicts of all different stripes you know but I think I was look, I was seeking relief I just really needed some relief and um, can we mention food or is this a no mention of food sure. it's funny where I where I hail from my part of the country like it's verboten you cannot mention food so someone says muffin everybody's like that's a food item <laughs> <laughs> thing that is made, you know, like, anyway, so, you know, all I knew is that I wanted, you know, just more food, more food, more food, and, and in addition to wanting more food, I was already feeling shame about it, you know what I mean, I was already starting to feel crappy, like, wait, why am I different, why do I want more, why, and then I, I started hiding at a really young age, I started hiding food and kind of squirreling it away in my room, and, um, I mean, none of this actually makes sense given the economics of my childhood. Like, we were not going hungry. There was plenty of food. And yet I was already, um, you know, compulsive and, and, and feeling ashamed. And uh, I've looked at pictures. I wasn't a terribly, like, fat kid. Um, I got chunkier. Um, and then, of course, into, you know, kind of early adolescence and adolescence, I got bigger turns out a lot of girls kind of round out before they menstruate but nobody in my life was like paying attention to any of that so there was no like discussion it was just like oh no she's getting fatter and um and i started hearing the like pretty face stuff and the like you know maybe do less of this or less of that and this is also during um uh, jane fonda and um you know she's like a raging you know that right and um 
and uh, what else? Tab. We were drinking a tab all day long. <laughs> um, and a lot of the women in my life, my stepmom and others, uh, it was very clear to me that the goal was to be, you know, thin, 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 thin. Um, I mean, I don't know that that's much different today, frankly, but, you know, that's how it was. So what happened? So adolescence, um, somewhere along the line I discovered, or I don't just discovered, I kind of started deploying um, compulsive exercising, you know, like really kind of pounding myself into the ground with exercise. Um, anybody remember American Bandstand with Dick, Dick Clark, right? Yeah, so it was like a TV program. I think it was on Saturdays. I think it was from like 11 to 12. It was like post-cartoons, right? And, um, and I think it was an hour. Of course, that's with all the commercials and everything. And, and um, I, it seems so strange and out of date now. But it was like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it was a TV show where young people, like teenagers, young adults, would dance. <laughs> I mean, it was sort of like, you know, probably on a soundstage or whatever. And then they'd have like an artist like, oh, I don't know, Madonna or like Michael Jackson or whatever would come in and do a song. And remember it was, what, what did they say? It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. That's what they would say. It's got a good beat. So somehow in my little brain and, and in the era of, you know, compulsive eating and exercising, I thought if I dance for that full hour, I will burn calories. I'm going to burn calories if I dance. Like, that just breaks my heart. Like, what? how on earth? Like, just this little person, and I'm already, I guess what I'm saying is I'm already kind of manipulating and trying to find ways to, to um, you know, kind of control and enjoy my eating. So, um, okay, cut to, I, you know, I don't think many of us love adolescence, but, you know, I did all right. I went through high school. Um... Uh, my family life continued to be topsy-turvy in all kinds of ways that I won't regale you with, and it's probably not that interesting, but it was. Um, my disease didn't get any better, right? I mean, like, it just got worse and took various twists and turns um, to under-eating and overeating and all of that jazz. Then I was this is all on the East Coast, and I moved to Southern California through a whole series of events that are boring, but... Um, and I'm just, now I'm just eating to beat the band. Like, I'm just, anyway, I feel very alone, very isolated, seriously messed up. And um, people would say to me, because <laughs> I'm, what, like 18, 19, which is like so, I mean, it's just a baby, you know. These are the best years of your life. <laughs> you know, and I was basically all alternatingly homicidal and suicidal. Like, you know, like I just was really, really unhappy. And I did seek some outside help because I really was suffering. I really, really was. And there were people that loved me, okay? I don't want to paint a picture, you know, the long-suffering, what was me. Um, you know, and I would, like therapy, let's say. You know, I would, I would get loaded on the way and then loaded afterwards. Like, you know, I, cu I couldn't get to my feelings. Well, of course I couldn't get to my feelings because they were really scary. I also couldn't get to them because I was you know, getting giant baked goods and, you know, it just was, it was dark. It was really, really dark, um, which is strange to live in, like, you know, palm trees and coastal Southern California and just, anyway, it's just a weird juxtaposition. So um, it, it sort of feels like you should be happy, right? It feels like you should, like, you know, be running around in your Daisy Dukes. Okay, so um, I found Overeaters Anonymous in, as I said, in 93, and I went to my first meeting, 
And it was a room much like this. There were a lot of people. There were probably 40, 50 people. And it was set up theater style. And I sat in the back like any good newcomer should. And it was um, primarily men. Primarily men in the, in the meeting. And, uh, yeah, right? And so I thought, well, always like which men. Turns out in the early 90s, maybe still today, the Navy would put the guys on bands and drive them to the Oasis, you know? And it was a 90-minute meeting, as they were, once upon a time, and there was a coffee break, and I'd identified as a newcomer, and at the coffee break, I was mobbed. I was just absolutely mobbed. Um, it was like I was just a celebrity. So many people approached me, so many people were like, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, and you remember those cards? You can also do those cards. It was like... Jane P. One day's time, and then like her phone number, right? <laughs> no, you know what I'm talking about, right? Anyway, these little business cards, right? It'd be like a little puppy or rainbow, and you know, it'd say like Janine, keep it simple, and then a phone number. Anyway. So, uh, so I got all these cards, and I'm like, what are these cards? You know, like, I didn't know, I, you know. And it's a weird thing. I'm such an addict, and I'm so just exceedingly self-centered that there was this part of me at that break where I felt like, well, finally. Someone is recognizing, uh, you know, how outstanding I am. And, and at the same token, I felt like I was standing there with no clothes on. I was like, get away, don't talk to me. Oh my gosh, you know what I'm doing with food. And at that meeting, much like this meeting, there was laughter. People were hugging. And, and oh, and you know what I expected to see? Because I'd gone down this road. Um, a scale, like where you weighed in. I thought, no, I really did. I thought you really like weigh in. And do you remember those little like fake food, or maybe they still have them, the little fake food displays? Like this is how much chicken, and this is how much, you know, like, and it was like it's plastic, right? Like kids play with, right? And I thought, like, well, surely, you know, there's going to be those and the weigh-in scale. And instead, you know what it was? Guess what? Twelve steps, twelve traditions on the wall, and um, so. Uh, that really started my, my journey of recovery, and I never left. I just didn't leave. I just kept going to meetings. I kept going to meetings. I basically went inpatient without going inpatient because there was like a morning meeting, a midday meeting, an evening meeting, and then all the workshops and the weekends. And that's okay. That's no big deal. Um, we don't have to evacuate or anything. <laughs> We're good. All right. So um, I'm just going to all these meetings, and I, I moved north. You know, two hours north, and as I said, I kept going to meetings, and I was just, I was pretty miserable. Um, oh, and this is, whatever, uh, I'm not like ancient, but this was also the time where like, um, like I knew I was moving to Los Angeles, and so I asked some of my folks in San Diego, like, do you know anybody in LA? And they were like, yeah, and so this one woman gave me a number, and this other woman, so I called this other woman, and I, because I wanted to keep going to meetings, and she said there's a... Uh, what was it Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, in Santa Monica in the morning? So I just went to those meetings, you know. And then, anyway, so it was kind of before the internet and the abundance of all that. So um, I guess we have phone numbers, right? We call and like get the meeting list on the, on the history machine. So um, I move north, and as I said, in February of '95, I I got abstinent. Um, and I'll just say this first sponsor, or the first sponsor I actually worked with took me straight into the AA 12 and 12, you know. And she was, um, as I said, she was sober and abstinent, and um, she was, like, freaking gorgeous, and she terrified me in all kinds of ways. But I was willing, I guess, just to, you know, work with her. And um, 
she actually said this to me, or some version of this to me, like, look, we're not going to see movies together. I'm not going to braid your hair. Like, we're not, like, we're, we're, we're not girlfriends. Like, we're not pals. This is, you know, this is serious business. This is life and death. And we're going to do right into the steps. And I was like, uh, yes, ma'am. Like, I just, I just do what she said. And, you know, she said to do all the things that people that are in recovery do. You know, get to meetings early. She just shake the hand of the newcomer. Put money in the basket. Clean up. Clean the coffee pots. Sweep the floor. Um, raise your hand to help. I mean, it's just really fundamentals. And I guess I was just at a place in my life or my recovery that I was just like, okay, all right. I just did what she said. You know, we're going to the rally at 6 in the morning. It goes, oh, okay, you know, or we're going to this, we're going to that, you know. And I just like, I just got into the mix. I just fell in, um, or not fell in, I kind of, you know, did, did the work. And things started changing in all kinds of wonderful ways. Um, and I'm here, so thank you for listening. No, so, uh, so what happened? So like a lot of life has happened in that 24 years. Um, a, a lot of life abstinent, you know, and like um, undergraduate degree, a graduate degree, um, a, a marriage, a divorce, um, a move, a, an offspring. Like you know, there's like it's, there's been a remarriage. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of life, and I'll talk a little bit about the last like 12-ish years. So um, I went through a divorce, which was painful. I know that anybody gets out of that without some pain. Uh, and you all just loved me and, and said, you're, you know, you're going to live through this and, and just stay abstinent and stay close. And, and lo and behold, I did. And um, I started seeing somebody that I'd known in L.A. who'd moved away. Um, super stupid. Don't do this. It was like right after divorce. Everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I know this is really dumb. This is just a fling. Whatever. Well, this person's I'm not married to, but uh, <laughs> so stupid. But anyway, I mean, it's it just what it was. And so I, I left Los Angeles at the end of '07, um, and I live in rural Ohio, rural cornfields, churches, and cornfields. Like I, you know, like I live in rural Ohio. It is bizarre and beautiful um, and so I, I moved there kind of did the big upheaval of my life here and oh wait it, it's not a hot spot right it's not, not an oh wait hot bet you know and, and so I went to AA meetings and I did go to OA meetings and I started OA meetings and you know so I just I kept working as best as I could given this new very strange configuration oh and there's Amish so I should say there's Amish you know um, and a lot of big farm equipment like farm equipment that is like bigger than this room anyway so um, and I started meetings and, and, and I'll just share briefly a story so I started a meeting at, in a church you know basement as we do and um, it, it kind of turned into the weekly Heidi workshop you know because I was really the only one with any like recovery you know and, and I mean that's great to like give service and to pass it along but but I like I need to be fed too like does that make any sense like I need the tears I need you know so long story short my home meeting is um, in Columbus Ohio which is one hour so I drive an hour once a week to attend an in-person meeting it's about a three plus hour endeavor in total, right? An hour there, you know. And I'm active in 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 that Columbus, Ohio's community of recovery. Um, 
and that's worked for me and I've been able to figure that out um, I've you know 10 different job and career maneuvers over these last years particularly curious living where I live um, or, or not curious just sort of challenging you know um, I, I am married today to a, a really um, pretty wonderful person who is not in these rooms but is very supportive um, and thinks that this is just a really wonderful place to heal and to grow and to, to, to be um, we did pull off a kid he's pretty wonderful most days um, <laughs> and uh, I have stayed through all of that you know the big like ooh pregnancy whatever you know um, and and it was with all of you right you know I like call the person who's stayed through pregnancy call the person who's moved call the person who's you know made these changes in their life and, and learn how they have gotten through it um so I have a sponsor for today. She's awesome. She's in Ohio. She's sober and abstinent. Um, I go to my meeting. Um, about five years ago, I started getting on my knees every morning. Um, now, a party's a little embarrassed. Like, it took you to, like, freaking 19. And, and, I mean, I had different prayer meditation practices, but I was hitting, like, a really rough spot. So I... I I did that, and it's, it's added a lot to my like spiritual growth and development, and um, yeah, connection with my HP. Um, so that oh, if you want to get a lot closer to your HP, um, or in my experience, uh, I started weighing and measuring my food. Okay, no, I mean really, like that. Um, in my experience. And again, I, I didn't do that for many, many years. And then I'm now in my mid-40s, and I'm like, holy moly, I'm changing in all kinds of ways. <laughs> it is rapid fire, the changes that I'm experiencing in my body. And you all have taught me, you know, the three A's, which is awareness, acceptance, and action, right? Calm the freak down. Get, get close to HP. Talk to some, you know, like, just, you know, and so awareness action and if you've ever measured half a cup of brown rice bless you or a tablespoon of this or that it will drive you excuse me it drove me straight to HP because I'm like I'm going to perish I'm simply going to perish on this little of food and it turns out I've not perished here are some of the benefits right and I don't want to talk all about weighing and measuring I'm just talking about vehicles that are closer to my higher power and to the steps um it got me way closer to my HP because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, and it's just daytime, by the way. Um, I lost, like, weight, right? Which was never, I, it never started with that necessarily, but I did lose um, weight. And um, I have, you know, greater humility. Is that the right word? I don't know. Isn't it if you say you're humble, you're not? Anyway, like, um, I just, I guess it's just, um, it's a tool that I, what is it, I scoffed at. And and what is it, we came to scoff and remain to pray, or I forget the jingle, something like that. So, um, right, that's in the book, right? Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, I don't know. So, so I'm visiting um, Southern California. I have family in Southern California. I have beloved friends and I still consider you all a part of my OA community. I'm going to absolutely do even though you're many, many miles away and I invite you all if you're ever in um, my part of the country um, it's region 5 
Um, there is great recovery. There is amazing, you know, we, we, we are committed. We are, we are largely rural, but we're absolutely committed to abstaining a day at a time and, and living this way of life. And, and um, I'm, I'm just super grateful to be here. So thank you for listening. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I've shared with you today are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember that if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. So, okay. Q&A. Yes, ma'am. Uh, thank you for your share. Sure. I wanted to um, hear a little bit more about how you define your higher power. Oh, okay. So the question is, how do I define my higher power? Um, a very simple definition is not me. <laughs> so, not me. Yes? Um, thank you so much. Thank you. you talked about um, feeling that, that turmoil in your home and your home life. Yeah. Um, what were some of the feelings that led to... The that comes to you, how much do you think that has to do with your being a compulsive reader? Okay. Um, not sure I answer the question, but I, I mean, I have no idea why I turned to food or why I became a compulsive overeater. I think as a little person, I was hurting. I mean, as many of us are and do, and, and, I, and I turned <coughs> to food. I, I, mean, I don't think that made me a compulsive overeater, but I think um, maybe I had the propensity and then I kind of hit the loaded chamber as they say and then I was off to the races but um, yeah thank you does that answer your question? I'm not sure I got to it well, just wondering what, what were some of the issues you were grappling with oh just messed up adults uh, yeah a lot of messed up adults not <laughs> parenting well yeah yes ma'am thank you so much um, thank you uh, I appreciate the uh, small town point of view yeah um, when you have a uh, the negative conversation in your head toward yourself, what are some of those things that would you do to, um, to sort of mitigate that? Uh, help others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. So, like, I went, I've been through a divorce. Yeah. Went to another marriage. Sure. Found that I had to work on the same things in this marriage. So, yeah. Could you talk about your exciting adventure this time around? Sure, in partnership? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Wherever you go, there you are, right? Um, and, um, I mean, the 10, 10 11, and 12. Right is really where I need to live in for sanity in my own life and of course sanity in my partnership. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, I also have a sponsor who um, this is we were this is early on we were working so let's call it maybe seven eight years ago and I had a situation with my husband and I was I was. Uh, I was, I was angry or kind of pissed or, you know, um, and I had my whole case ready to go and I was going to present it to her, right? And then her response was going to be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, so I called her up. Listen to this. Get a load of this. And she, you know, you all know what she did. Oh, it sounds like there's some pride going on. Some ego. You know, I mean, she's like, no, 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 no. So, um, 
I'm grateful that I have you all and people that are saner than I am and aren't living in my partnership and aren't living in my head to say, no, that was selfish. That was self-seeking. That was not, um, you know, in the spirit of unity. That was your self-will run riot or whatever. And I'm not going to co-sign on that behavior. And by the way, if you want a long-term functional partnership, uh, you've got to clean that up. And I was like... Why did I ask you? <laughs> and she'll, you know what she would say to me? She'll be like, if you need to talk to a girlfriend, call someone else. I mean, she would actually say that to me, like lovingly. But she's like, I'm not, I'm not, we're not going to do that. Because that will kill you, by the way. And I was like, oh, all right. So, next. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your Yeah. Um, so, in the moment, when you're triggered by people, places, or things, sure. what's your kind of go-to program? Sure, yeah. So, I'm elevated beyond that. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm triggered, people, places, things, weather, I don't know. Y'all, I live in all weather, all season, right? I, I abstain in snowstorms. We had a tornado. That is a sobering experience not long ago. Turns out, eating over tornadoes doesn't help. Um, so what do I do? Um, I had a situation at work the other day. I won't reveal you with all the details, but I had a resentment going. Oh, yeah. And I was like digging in, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I liked it, right? Like I'm embarrassed to say that, but guys weren't doing it right. And they needed to do it right. And now why weren't they doing it right? I was going to tell them what they needed to do. And, you know, and somehow higher self, higher power, program, uh, whatever you want to call it. I was like, this is BS. This is resentment. This is you're working on the resentment. And so I guess my go-to is higher power or kind of some, kind of like some quietness. And then that gets me out of that kind of goofy thinking um, I don't know if I have a tool. I'm just reaching out to maybe a fellow, because again, they're not in my head, they're not in my partnership, they don't work in my workplace, and they can, and you know, people can see things more clearly when you're not kind of in, in the mix. So just, just reach, just get out of self is basically what helps with that. Yes. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. Thank you. And I love your share. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so how do you, living in a rural area, yeah. how do you stay in touch with your program, you know, and how do you keep your program strong? And particularly I'm asking for actually other people who live in the rural areas. Yeah. How, how do you stay in touch and, and keep your program alive? Sure. So um, OA literature every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. Um, on my knees every day. Um, I, I do need, uh, for me, one to two, if I can swing it, in-person meetings a week. And, and, and there are people in rural communities who that's not a possibility for because the in-person meeting is three hours away. You know, and I happen to be like 60, 70 miles. Oh, by the way, where I live, 60, 70 miles is an hour. You can imagine that. Now, sometimes it's in a snowstorm or a tornado, you know, so that's a different, you know, a horse of a different color. Um, then, of course, all the technology, which most of us have access to in various ways, whether it's, um, you know, the, the different podcasts, there's phone meetings, there's, um, you know, different kind of virtual ways to connect. Um, of course, literature, I've already mentioned that. Um, and, and talking to people, right? I mean, actually finding other abstaining compulsive overeaters who are working um, this program in a way that speaks to you. Um, and then I like to plan 
every year, every couple of years, to get to like a convention or like like to travel to a place where there's going to be north of a hundred, let's say, compulsive overeaters gathering. So that might be like um, the Region Five convention <laughs> is at the end of September in um, Milwaukee, and so you know, kind of making those making plans to 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 go places and to do things to know that that's that's going to happen. If your economics make that possible, yeah. Uh, hi, hi. 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 Thank you. Um, I guess my question. Uh, I have so many questions, but um, can you talk about struggling with indecision and 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 if if it's just like minutia, it's not even like should I have this life saving surgery or not? It's it's just little minutia. Like if you find yourself spinning about, oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, I will, I won't. How do you get yourself out of that? Sure. So pages 86 to 88 in the big book, it, it speaks directly to that, um, which is sort of calm down, you know, connect with HP. Um, and sometimes it's kind of letting myself off the hook. Like, so if I make the wrong decision, so what? You know what I mean? And I don't mean like cavalier. Like, maybe it's not a wrong decision. Like, that's clearly a wrong decision you know, for, me, for me, right? But if it's just my kind of ego and I want to make sure it's right or I want to make sure I get it right um, sometimes I'm like you know what higher power or God or whatever like if I do botch this just carry me through it you know just carry me through it whatever the it might be I mean when I left LA I was like this doesn't work like I'm coming back like that's going to happen you know like I, I was really clear to me like one way or another my recovery's big enough my um, community, my whatever you want to call it, like I, I knew I could return. Like there, it wasn't a, an all or nothing. So I think it's getting out of black and white thinking to a certain extent. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Um, with long-term absence, in, I imagine you're one of the old times in your region five. Yes. Um, so do, does your ego think the best of you right now? Uh, oh sure. Yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah. Thank goodness I'm here. Because I can teach you all how to do OA correctly. Um, Yes, thank you. That's a really great question. So the question is, you know, being, uh, you know, here it's like I'm sort of like a a teenager in recovery, right? Given relative to some of your abstinence lengths. Whereas there I'm definitely more of an old timer. Um, Knowing that I need everybody. I need the person that just walked in the room a week ago. I need the person that's been there for 10 years and often on abstinent. I need the person who maybe has been abstaining for 15, 20 years. Like every every person, excuse me, has is valuable to me that I can learn from. Right. So it's it's um, not getting into the time. Oh, and this is really good for my ego. They rarely do like birthdays or anything like that. So it's like there's not even an opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there isn't, right? There isn't. Unless I want to say, hi, you 24 years, nice to meet you. You know what I mean? Like it's just not like that's it. So it's it's not even really set up to sort of display, put that on display. Um, Maybe that helps. Other questions? Yes? Do you have any. tips on transition from being a single person to going into a marriage with a child with cooking and food and how did that affect your meal plan and like 
and then uh, cooking requests from a spouse or a child saying, I want this for dinner and I want that when if you've been single for a long time you're used to just eating out or what you want only, but then you have to be considerate for others like what are your, your recovery trips tips for that transition. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. So um, God plots a person in my life um, that doesn't care about food. I mean, can skip a meal, can have a meal. Can, I mean, this, my husband is very um, relaxed about it. So if I make a dinner, he'll, he'll have some, or he'll say, oh, I'd like something else. So we're a little separate in our home to a certain extent. Like, I'm, okay. Um, and he's just, like, happy to eat whatever, or happy to eat nothing, or happy to, like, stick frozen pizza in the oven and... He'll have that, and I'll have something else. You know, like it's been. There's been some lightness. Like I guess what I'm saying is, I have to take care of me no matter what. Like that's that's priority number one. Like what what foods are healthy, what portions. Um, if that fits with the people I live with, great. If it doesn't, so be it. Um, my kid is much like his father. It, he he's like he doesn't even really like food. When he was like four years old, he said, "Ugh." You know, eating is the most boring part of it. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to do genetic testing because I, I don't think you're related to me. And then he, he said, I think he saw this on like wild crafts or something. There's some like lizard that eats like once a year. He's like, mommy, why can't I be like that lizard where I just like eat once a year and then I'm done. For, you know, I'm like, who, who is this child? Like, um, so I will say there are sweets in my home and there are salty snacks and things that you know don't expire for years and years and years that um, I don't eat a day at a time. If there's anything in my home that's like, hey girl, check me out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, I will throw it away. I'll say, I'll take it to the office. I'll, you know, like, I, so I don't, again, I'm not cavalier. I'm not like, I can handle anything because I, I can't. But I'm aware of um, a day at a time with all of you and with my higher power when I'm in kind of sticky or gray areas. But ultimately, if I'm not abstinent and I, if I'm not doing this work, I can't be in a loving, sane partnership, and I certainly can't parent with a damn, you know what I mean? Like I, or work, or do any of those things that my full life now demands of me, and it's only a full life because I've been given such a full life because I've worked, done so much work here. So do I have time for one more question, or are we done? Three minutes. Oh, we do, we do. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. You're um, welcome. What is your aspirations now, and how has it changed since you first came in? Sure. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, I, you know, those of you who have been around, or just frankly been alive, there are all kinds of food trends, right? Like, oh my gosh, you know. And it's funny, you stick around for a while, or you just live for a while. You know, and there's all these food trends. Um, and thankfully, I've been slightly immune to those food trends to an extent because I've been here for so long. Um, okay, so I, eat, I do not eat sugar. Cookies, cakes, pies, candies, any of that kind of stuff. Um, I generally eat three meals a day, pretty standard, you know, I do eat meat, I eat carbohydrates, I eat veggies, um, I eat dairy, fruits, veggies, um, I will eat a cheeseburger, I mean, you know, I just, I eat, I eat real food a, a day at a time. Um, as I said, when I started weighing and measuring, that was actually just weighing and measuring the food I was already eating, okay? So it wasn't like kale, quinoa tofu, which is all good food, by the way, but you know what I mean? It wasn't like, I'm changing my life. 
perspective immediately. It was just like, how much am I eating, right? Like, how much of this, of these foods am I eating? Um, like many of us, a lot of the, I don't even know the language for it, thank God. Is it like refined carbohydrates? Like, it's not a good idea for me to like grab a baguette because I will eat the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's just not, but that's just for me because I think my little off switch goes, oh, it goes on the fritz, you know? <laughs> Whereas like there's other foods, the off switch is like, mm, yeah, okay. So I don't know if that answers your question about food. But I have a lot of peace and a lot of serenity most days. Um, about my food and I love coming to Southern California because it's like it's always the like whatever the next thing is right and I, I, I'm happy to kind of learn about it and maybe dip my toe in it um, but I'm also grateful to go this is this is likely not for you remember the raw thing are we still doing that everything is raw I don't, I don't know there's all these different all these different ways and you know what I've tried different things by the way in recovery it was you know like I've under the auspices of of recovery, I have tried different food plans, sort of food trends, but none of it has included like birthday cake. I, I've been married twice and never eaten my own wedding cake, right? And that's just staggering to me. I mean, not that I like want wedding cake, but you know what I mean? People are like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, first time around, I was absent, second time around, you know, and so I just haven't had wedding cake, my own, or really anybody else's for years and years. One more quick one. Yes, ma'am, sure. Yes, let's do it. Um, what is not eating wedding cake do for you in your spiritual life? I can dance mm-hmm. at the wedding. I can, like, actually congratulate the couple. I can um, not want to take wedding cake to the bathroom and eat it. <laughs> I mean, really. Like, it, it, you know, I can go home and go to bed and not hate myself. And, you know, I can do a lot. I can live a really full like, oh, and I might get invited to the next wedding. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because, like, I'm a, a guest that people want to have around, mostly. All right. Thanks for listening.